Amen. You know, when we think about Christmas, especially around the season, we, we tend to um, think about Christmas from the perspective of those who are involved in the birth narrative. We, um, we think of Christmas from the perspective of Mary. Even this past weekend, we looked at the Magnificat, and we look at it through her eyes, and then sometimes we'll look at it through, it through Joseph's eyes and this man of faith who's given this great responsibility, or maybe we look at it through the perspective of the shepherds or the magi. But what about the perspective of Jesus? Wouldn't it be interesting to ask Jesus, Jesus, what, what comes to your mind when you think about Christmas? Because for Jesus, Christmas meant giving up the glory of heaven with full angelic worship to be born in a manger, in a feed trough surrounded by farm animals. We, we think, uh, happy birthday, Jesus. I'm not so sure it was a happy birthday for him. So what is Jesus' perspective? And I don't know what Jesus would say or how he would respond if we were to ask him, but I do know what Jesus says. In Matthew 12, 29, I think we get a little glimpse into Jesus' perspective on Christmas. The context of Matthew 12, 29 is that Jesus is being accused of being in league with Satan, that he's casting out demons because he's a friend of Satan. And Jesus says, no, sir, you got it all wrong. I'm not Satan's friend. I'm not his ally. I'm his enemy. And then he makes this statement in Matthew 12, 29. He says, or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? It's a powerful picture of Jesus' perspective of Christmas. That Christ says that I have come into Satan's house, the strong man, and I've come for the purpose of binding him and defeating him so that I can release the prisoners. Christmas is Jesus coming into the strong man's house. And who is the strong man? The strong man is Satan. And Satan is powerful. Incredibly powerful. In Ephesians 2, Paul said, And you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, of the spirit that's now working, the sons of disobedience. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, that Satan has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel in the glory of Christ. John said the whole world lies in the grip of the evil one. Satan is strong and he, he guards his possessions. And who are his possessions? His possessions are you and me. Because of the fall of man and the sin of Adam and Eve, you and I are held captive by sin, Satan, and death. We're captives of Satan and slaves of sin and death. And no one escapes. No one escapes death. Not the strong, not the mighty, not the educated, not the wealthy, not the beautiful. Houdini, the great escape artist, 
He said to his wife before he died, he said, you, you wait for me. You listen because I'm coming back. And she waited and she never heard from him. Nobody escapes death. You can run every day. You can bathe in Rogaine. You can color your hair. And you can fool a lot of people, but you can't fool death. It's coming for you. And that, that is the world that Jesus came into. He came into a world that was held captive by sin and Satan. A world held captive by death. Christmas for Jesus was far more like a soldier eating Christmas dinner in a foxhole surrounded by the enemy. It was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Holy One of God entering enemy territory under the cover of darkness on a rescue mission to beat Satan and set the prisoners free. But Christmas is not just Jesus coming into the strong man's house, but it's Jesus coming into the strong man's house to bind him. Christmas is Jesus entering Satan's house. This world, in many ways, is Satan's house. As we just heard, he's, Satan's the prince of the power of the air. John says the whole world lies in the grip of the evil one. Jesus steps into Satan's own territory to beat him. Christmas is Jesus getting into the ring with Satan. The match of the century. You remember that great Christmas movie, Rocky V? Great Christmas movie. Rocky V, not one of the best Rockies, but it has a cool scene, my favorite scene. You remember old Tommy Gunn, he's, gonna, he's picking a fight with Rocky. And goes down to the establishment and he's calling him all kinds of names, trying to goad him into a fight. Remember old Polly, his brother-in-law, Says, you're nothing but garbage. We should have left you on the street. You remember what Tommy Gunn does? Punches Polly, knocks him to the ground. Rocky runs over, you okay, Polly? And then my favorite moment, he looks up at Tommy Gunn and says, you knocked him down. Now let's see you try knocking me down. That's my best Rocky. <laughs> Do you know what Christmas is? It's Jesus getting in the ring with Satan and saying, you've had a lot of fun with these folks. You've knocked them down. Now let's see you try knocking me down. And as soon as Jesus enters the ring, guess what happens? Satan is after him. From the moment Christ arrives, Satan is trying to kill Jesus. Why? Because he knows that Jesus is coming for him. And if this man, Jesus Christ, who is God... If he lives a perfect and sinless life, if he lays down his life and vacates the grave, then we've got a basis for hope. If Jesus dies on our behalf and conquers the grave, now we have a, a basis of hope and victory and life. And that is exactly what Jesus did. He comes, he's born, he lives a perfect and sinless life, he dies on the cross for our sins, he fulfills all righteousness. When he goes to the cross, he goes with an innate righteousness because he's God, he goes with an earned righteousness because he laid aside his glory, he lived this life in the same power as you and me, and he always said no to sin, and he always said yes to God. He fulfills all righteousness, therefore he's the only one qualified to die for our sins. There's salvation in no one else, for he's the way, the truth of the life and no one comes to the father but through him he dies a substitutionary death 
on our behalf, in our place, for our sins, he's placed in a tomb, and on the third day, he's resurrected because he is God, he is perfect, and death cannot hold him. Christmas is David and Goliath. It's one small boy defeating a giant with one blow directed in the right place and then taking his own instrument of death, the sword, and using it against him to defeat him. Jesus, the God-man, takes Satan's own instrument of death, the cross, and uses it to defeat him. And now, just as Goliath's sword became the symbol of David's victory, now the cross becomes a sacred symbol of Christ's victory and a reminder of our victory through faith in Christ. It's a reminder to us that Jesus is not an angel. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a good teacher. He's the Lord of hosts, and he's the conqueror of the enemy. As Paul said in Colossians 2, I love this, that Christ canceled out the certificate of death consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, And he's taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross when he disarmed the rulers and authorities and he made a public display of them having triumphed over them through him. Do you see what Jesus did at Christmas? He came into Satan's house, this world, a world held captive by sin, Satan, and death and he beat Satan like a borrowed mule and he publicly humiliates him on the cross and in his resurrection, he disarms Satan He defeats Satan, and then what does he do? He sets the prisoners free. You and I were held captive by sin and Satan. We were beaten down, broken by sin and Satan. And Jesus saw us in our humble state. He saw us as broken, beaten sinners. And yet he loved us. He came for us. He defeated Satan on our behalf, and he gets down on our level. And you know what he does? He says, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christmas is Christ coming to defeat Satan, to rescue you. Some of you, you're here this afternoon and you're beaten down by Satan and sin. You're beaten down by your own guilt. You're beaten down by your own past failures. You're held hostage by Satan and sin. And today, right now, Christ is offering you the greatest gift you could ever receive, the gift of freedom. Freedom from your sin, freedom from your past guilt, freedom from your bitterness and your unforgiveness, freedom from trying to earn your own salvation, freedom from the fear of death. And this gift of freedom and salvation is available to you today on the basis of faith. You cannot earn this freedom and you can't be Satan. This gift is received by placing your faith in Christ and his victory becomes our victory. As the scripture says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Victory and freedom are available to you today. It's not about joining a church or any other good work that you could perform The gift of freedom is received by placing your faith in Jesus, as Scripture says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's the greatest gift exchange ever known to man. You give Christ your sin, and he gives you his righteousness. You place your faith in Christ, and his victory becomes yours. 
And you can know today that no matter what happens to you in this world, you will ultimately win because Christ won. That we can say today through faith in Christ, oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But you have to choose. Christmas demands a choice. Jesus says immediately after this, he's not with me, is against me. You're following one of two leaders today on one of two paths. You're either following Satan, and you may not say it that way, but if you're following the world, guess who's leading the world in the direction it's going? You're either following Satan on a path that leads to ultimate destruction and defeat, or you're following Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, on a path that ultimately leads to eternal life. You're going in one of two directions today, and you must make a choice. It's Christ and life, or it's the world and Satan and ultimate death. You know, over the next few days, you're probably going to receive a gift. You're going to unwrap that gift, and you're going to have one of two reactions. You're going to either say, wow, what a gift, or you're going to say, are you kidding me? (laughs) You're either going to receive the gift, or you're going to reject the gift. You have the same two options with Jesus. You can receive him, or you can reject him. But can I just tell you this evening, if you reject Jesus, it'll be the dumbest decision you've ever made. 36 years ago, I received the gift of Jesus and the salvation that he gives into my life has given to me what no other gift can give. I've had lots of gifts that were broken the very next day. This gift has never been broken. I've always had access to the Father. I've always been forgiven. I've always had the promise of heaven. I've always been his son. I've always had the Holy Spirit. This gift has never been broken. I've lost a lot of gifts. I've never lost this gift. I've never lost my salvation, and it cannot be taken from me. I've had gifts that I received, and I knew I was going to return. I've never wanted to exchange the gift of Jesus. I've never wanted my sin back. I've never wanted my guilt back. I've never wanted to exchange this gift. I've had lots of gifts that a few years later, they weren't worth far as much as the day I received them. But this gift of Christmas that I got 36 years ago is worth far more to me today than the day I received him. Some of you right now, you're beginning to unwrap the gift of Jesus. God is opening your own eyes to the depth of your sin. And you're beginning to see the beauty and the victory of Jesus who came to offer you freedom from sin and death. And I'm pleading with you tonight. Would you receive the gift of Jesus? The fact of the matter is, all I can give you is my own personal testimony. And my testimony is that I received Jesus Christ. And I love him for every day. And I'm never giving him back. As often is the case here at Lenexa Baptist Church, do we have a hymn? Christmas Day, 1864, in the midst of the Civil War, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote a poem called Christmas Bells. Two Christmases earlier, he lost his wife in an accidental fire. On that Christmas, 1864, he had just received news that his son had been wounded in battle. 
and he wrote these words. Listen to what he wrote. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, both wild and sweet, their words repeat, a peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Then in despair I hung my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Then pealed the bells, both loud and deep, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. For the wrong will fail, and the right will prevail with peace on earth, goodwill towards men. This is a man in the midst of despair, in the midst of death, had hope. Why? Because he had trusted in Jesus Christ who came to rescue him from his, from his sin and ultimately to give him victory. To know that no matter what happens, he was victorious because he trusted in Christ who defeated sin, Satan, and death on his behalf. Do you have that hope today? Let me pray for us. Father, I pray for anybody that might be in this room or maybe watching online that doesn't know the hope of Christ. God, maybe they're here tonight watching online and they know that they are a sinner. And maybe they're tired of their sin. Maybe they're tired of trying to earn their salvation. Lord, I pray tonight that you would open their eyes to the reality that you gave up the glory of heaven, came to this earth on a rescue mission to defeat Satan and to offer them salvation, to offer them freedom from a path of sin and destruction to change their life, to set them down a new path, a path that leads to life and life eternal. God, I pray that you would open their eyes. I pray that they would unwrap the gift of Jesus tonight and they would trust in him. They would believe on Christ and they would know his salvation and his freedom. God, for those of us that do know you, even as we'll take communion in just a moment, I pray that we would always remember the great sacrifice that you have made on our behalf and a heart of gratitude would lead us to live a life of obedience that demonstrates the worthiness of Christ. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.